Casey Jones has a special. Something tells me that, uh, Casey, you did a great job. All right. Well, I will brag on you now that you've accomplished that big feat. First Peter chapter 3, and uh, get Daniel to be ready with your fingers. You can never keep up with me. We're going to start with verse 19, and... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, looking forward to baptism tonight, and then we will have another one later on next Sunday. Got uh, at least one scheduled, maybe two. A uh, very interesting passage that we'll be dealing with tonight, I've simply titled it, A Sermon from Prison. A Sermon from Prison. First uh, Peter three nineteen, then we'll just kind of take off on it. We ended with the uh, example of Jesus Christ and uh, going through suffering, and God's going to be with us through difficult days, and God's going to help us uh, through all sorts of situations. But this one verse here, he kind of the Apostle Peter kind of changes direction just a little bit, but it's continuing the same thought that Jesus Christ suffered for sins, verse 18. I'm going to back up a little bit. Jesus Christ suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but he was quickened, made alive, by the Spirit. Now, the Spirit of God moved upon the body of Jesus and... He got the Bible says it this way. God raised his son from the dead. So that same power, that same spirit, verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. A lot of people have taken some time to try to figure out, well, what are these spirits in prison? Uh, many people have alluded to the angels who are mentioned just a few pages over in your Bible. The book of Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. We've got a lot going on, so I am going to move quickly. I hope you can buckle your pew belt and hang on. Stay with me. Second Peter 2, 4 says this. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And he didn't remember, he goes on with this same thought, and he spared not the old world, but saved Noah. Now, uh, Peter uses Noah here as an example, and also at the, the one, our original text as an example. Very interesting thing about 
uh, the previous verse, 2 Peter 2, 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down into hell, all the words that are in the Bible, God translates, or, or people, man translates God's word into hell. In the New Testament, there's two main words for hell. And that is, there's Hades, the place of the dead, sometimes even the grave. And then there's Gehenna, which is judgment fire. It's Nobody's in Gehenna right now, which is the lake of fire. But the Bible says, after the resurrection of the lost, that's when everybody's put into the lake of fire. Right now, they're just in Hades, which is, according to Luke 16, a place of torment. Neither one of those words are used right there. Matter of fact, this is the only time in the entire New Testament that this word is used. The word for hell is a word called Tartarus. We're not talking about tartar sauce for fish now. It's the word Tartarus. It literally is a, is a place, it's like a, a dungeon, if you will. It's the only time this Greek word is used in the entire New Testament. The writers, or excuse me, the translators, decided to translate it hell. He said he cast, and that's the reason, cast them, these angels, down into hell. I believe that God, at one time, when the angels originally fell, the Bible doesn't give us a number of the fallen angels. The Bible just mentions a fraction. It says one-third of the angels followed Lucifer it says his tail drew out one-third of the stars of heaven. And so all we have is a fraction, ever what that number is. Some God put into prison. Let me show you some more examples. Just flip a few pages over to Jude. And like I usually like to say, Jude, any chapter, okay? Jude, any chapter you want, verse 6, okay? Look, look at this verse. And the angels, in Jude verse 6, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, guess what they did? They had a choice. I think it was a one-way ticket. Uh, you and I have a choice, but now God has provided us a way back. He didn't die for the angels. Jesus died for us. They left their first estate, left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains... Under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, these angels are not the spirits. Now, many people believe they are, but I need to let you know that there are angels being held in, you might call it prison, you might call it a dungeon, you might call it a holding place, but according to these scriptures in harmony, they're being held for until the day of judgment. One more scripture. Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. Just a few pages over, not far at all. All this is kind of at the end here. Revelation chapter 9 and verse 11. Well, I'll tell you what. Revelation 9, 1. Revelation 9, 1 says this. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and the key was given unto him in the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose out, out of it a smoke, as great furnace, sun, air was darkened by reason of smoke and pit. And it says in verse 3, and it describes these creatures that come out. I think they're demonic spirits. 
These demonic spirits have a king over them. It's this fellow's name, and we know that angels have a hierarchy. They're sergeants, colonels, lieutenants, majors. The Bible says this in other places. It says principalities, powers, and evil spirits. It names, it says really it's different levels. And, uh, and then in Revelation 9, 11, guess what? Here's the top dog. And all of these guys are in the bottomless pit, and one day they'll one day they'll be let out. They had a king over them, so these are beings, and this king, whose name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue Apollyon, both these words mean destroyer. Destro- guess what? He's going to be destroying when he gets let loose. Guess who has the key? The Lord. And he's going to send one of his guys down there, and he's going to let them loose for a little while. But look back at our original text. Now, these spirits, most of the time they're referred to as beings, but there's one place in Hebrews where it does refer to the people in the Old Testament as spirits. But uh, here's the key to this text. What is, and that is a what and a when. So going back to 1 Peter three nineteen, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits that are held in prison, which sometime, now here's the key to all this, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark is preparing. Okay? So, wherein there's few, that is, eight souls saved by water. Now, a lot of times people will say, Jesus went to hell and preached. There's a verse that says, Thou would not leave my soul in hell. Some people say Jesus died during the three days that he was dead. His, his spirit, he, went and preached in prison or in hell. Or that he even went to hell and suffered. But... The Bible doesn't mean that. He went to the grave. He went to Haiti. That hell is referred to a place of the dead, the grave. Now, at some point in time, he did go and proclaim a message to somebody in a holding cell. And I think it was the ones who were disobedient during the times of Noah. Now, some of my uh, Baptist brethren, even some of my own kinfolks, think that Maybe it was angels, and maybe it was the angels that over in Genesis chapter 6 that cohabitated. It's all it says, though, is the sons of God saw the daughters of men and, or, and that they were fair, and they took them and cohabitated with them and had children. But according to, and you don't have to turn there, I'm flying, Matthew twenty-two thirty, Jesus said marriage is for this life. And that we, when we get to heaven, we will be like the angels which are neither given in marriage, nor that, so in other words, that there won't be uh, marriage in heaven. The Bible says we'll be like the angels. We won't be given in marriage. We won't be uh, uh, angelic beings, I don't think, can cohabitate uh, in intimacy with human beings. And, but th- that's a long story. So the, the key to this is by the which 
He, I think, the Lord's Holy Spirit moved upon Noah. So why don't we go there in Matthew chapter, excuse me, Genesis chapter 6. And uh, this is pretty neat. If you compare Genesis chapter uh, 6, which is a story about Noah, and it's a neat story because it speaks of God's patience, God's long-suffering. In Genesis 6, 3, the Bible says, My spirit, Genesis 6, 3, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And that's not referring to how old he is. What that's doing is that's referring to the time that they had left while Noah preached. God waited. And so looking at that same thing, I think the Spirit of Christ moved upon Noah. So if we look back at our text, so the Lord is His Spirit, the same Spirit that what? According to the previous verse, God's Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. God's Spirit moved up and preached to these people who were disobedient. During the days of Noah, God's Spirit moved upon Noah. And then it says, God was patient. He waited in the days of Noah while the ark is preparing. And that is wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. One time I had a Church of Christ friend who pointed that out and said, Look at there, you're saved by water. But they were saved physically not spiritually, by water. Matter of fact, it goes on to explain in verse 21. And that's where we're headed to next. The like figure whereinto, even baptism doth also now save us. Boy, you could look at that and say, well, look at there. Baptism. Matter of fact, we've got a baptism. It's great to have our guest tonight because uh, Dawson's getting baptized. But Dawson's already saved. He's already given his heart to the Lord. He's already asked Jesus to save him. Uh, matter of fact, I was talking to Juliana this morning, and I kept wanting to call her JC. And I said, oh, I looked at Miss Jan. I said, can you help me? I said, I, not JC. She said, Juliana. And, uh, and I said, Juliana, I, was just, I hadn't had a chance to talk with her, so I went through it real quick. And, and, uh, and she, I said, and I ended, I ended this way. I said, Juliana, if you were to, and I don't know if you saw her this morning, what she did. She was standing right there. I said, yeah. I said, if you were to die right now, where would you go? That's the way I ended our short conversation. And she said, uh, and many of y'all saw that. And that's her testimony. And it's great, apparent, uh, having the opportunity. And this time, I don't know if it was her mom or her sister that led her to the Lord. But I was listening to J.C. tell the story. and uh, But the like figure. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to put my finger here. This is a like figure. I want to flip back just a few pages to Titus. That's right after 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Compare this scripture with this scripture. Baptism does, it says here in our text, the like figure, it's a representative. It doesn't save you, but it represents being saved. So baptism doesn't save you, it represents your salvation. Many people have described baptism as an act of obedience, an outward expression of an inward transformation. Titus 3.5 states it this way, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us 
by the washing of baptismal waters? Does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. By the washing of the regeneration of basically the way we talk of God's Spirit in you. God's Holy Spirit. When you asked Jesus to save you, His Spirit moved on you and washed you and made you clean by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of Jesus Christ. That is an inward transformation. So the washing, the regeneration, the renewing, you're made alive in Christ for us to see. So that's really neat. So how are we saved? Not by the washing of water, but the washing of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's pretty cool looking at that. Matter of fact, it says this back in our text, 1 Peter 3.21. So it says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but what does baptism do? The answer of a good conscience toward God. I'm obeying God. I'm following Him. I'm doing what He said to do. He said, go into all the world and teach and baptize. And then teach them. The first teaches teach them how to be saved. The second teaches teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. There's a bunch of scriptures and we don't really have time to do the study. It's pretty cool. In Romans 6, Galatians 3, Colossians 2... It says we're baptized in Christ. And if you were to really translate that word, it means immerse, doesn't it? Matter of fact, I'm not going to sprinkle Dawson. <laughs> I'm going to immerse him. <laughs> I'm not going to pour it over him. I'm going to dunk him. <laughs> and he's going under. I've had some people fight me before. I've had pushed them down. I've had arms come up. I've had legs come up. And every now and then, y'all, if y'all see me, my head disappear, it's because I got them wrapped up and we're both going down. And so if y'all, and I've done it before. I, I, I was go down and stuff starts coming up and I just go, and I just wrap them on up and bear hug them on down. And, and, uh, they've, they've, I've had a few kick a little bit, but they come on up and, you know, it doesn't take but just a half a second. But I bury them. There's nobody over here in Promised Land Cemetery last time I checked with any limbs sticking up, okay? They're all the way. And when Jesus was in the grave, He didn't have anything sticking out, did He? Okay? So there's, there's even God, when He wrote His Word, they did. They, they transliterated, not translated. Baptizo is Greek. If they had translated it, they'd have got away from all this confusion. But it literally means to immerse, to dip under. And matter of fact, in Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and Jesus and all the other guys you see, they both went down into the water. And I don't have anything uh, against these guys who have these fancy new baptistries. I don't know if you've seen them that have the little cutout. There's a little U-shaped indention in some of these newer baptistries where the preacher doesn't have to get in the water. He just reaches over in the bathtub and dunks them. And that, that's okay. Matter of fact, that's almost a necessity if you live in a, a, what I call an Arctic environment. I've been to Romania, which is on the same parallel as Michigan. And you don't really, they don't really take baths in Romania. 
they take washcloth baths, but uh, they're afraid of getting under the water. They're afraid of being immersed because they've never been swimming or even in a bathtub before. And so when you go to immerse those people, it's just uh, looks like a horse feeding trough, Blaine. It's just a feeding trough-shaped style, and the preacher, that's all they can afford to do over there. Well, lastly, let's see. Jesus, so at one time, Jesus goes and preaches to these individuals, and uh, I think he preached to them during the days of Noah. Now, some people believe that uh, when he preached to these the spirits of these people, and he did it where they're being held. So, nevertheless, if there's some people that believe that these were angels, I think these were people, especially the people that lived during the time of Noah. All right. Now, lastly, is the last verse of this chapter, First uh, Peter three twenty two. Who has gone into heaven. Where's Jesus right now? Where's Jesus? He's in heaven. You say, well, Jesus is in my heart. Well, that's because he can be in more than one place at one time. Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers. Oh, by the way, that's the different levels of angelic forces. All right. Are made subject unto him. This harmonizes with just an amazing little passage that I love. And I want to compare two verses. Put my finger here in uh, Hebrews 12, 2, and then Acts 7. There we go. Hebrews 12, 2, and then Acts 7. We're going to be wrapping up. All right, y'all have done great. This is kind of a, it's a neat passage. It's uh, not one that many people deal with a lot. Okay. First one, Hebrews 12. When Jesus died, the Bible says, according to our text, He's gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. It doesn't say His uh, posture, though. It just says He's on the right hand of God. But in Hebrews 12, too, it says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. In every other place, there's a couple other Hebrew scriptures and Psalms where it says that he's seated at the right hand of God. But in Acts chapter 7, in verse 55, the Bible says this. While Stephen was being stoned to death, being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked steadfastly into heaven saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, which I think is a very comforting passage to know that sometimes Jesus, who finished all His work and loves you more than anything, He died on the cross for your sins. If there's somebody here... uh, Tonight, you've never been saved. You've never asked Jesus Christ to save you. Folks, all that I was describing is pretty cool. Jesus did a lot of cool stuff. He did a lot of neat things. He did a a lot of amazing things. But He did the most amazing thing is He gave His life for you and rose again. And there may be somebody here that, you know, just like Juliana, who was right right here in this very spot, and, and I asked her and I said, when you die... 
Where are you going when you die? And she went like this. And I ask all of y'all that tonight. No matter whether you're a church member or not, it doesn't matter because being baptized and coming and shaking the preacher's hand never saved anybody. But asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior is the only thing that saves anybody. Have, you, have we all done that? We know where we're going. And if when we die, maybe He'll stand up and say, Come on. Come on. Come on in. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Father, I thank You for this time together. I thank You for allowing us this opportunity. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that needs to make a decision. They need to rededicate their life. They need to pray for a lost loved one, a friend. Whatever we need to do, may we give our hearts and our life to You tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen.